Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 102 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are now in the hundreds. Woohoo! Uh, my name's Renee and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hello. I like that number 102. That's fun too. Yeah. We have a great guest coming on today. We have Cameron George from True Kava. And if you're not familiar with Kava, you are going to learn so much today about this amazing, amazing ingredient. Um, I'm just fascinated with it. I feel like there's so much more to learn, but Cameron is an expert on this topic and shared so much wisdom about it. And I think you're going to really love this. Yeah. And I was really excited to learn more about <laughs> what was an uninformed use of kava when I was in Hawaii. I know most of you have heard this story before, but I, I drank it as a mocktail and it kind of messed me up a little bit, but I didn't know all about kava, the benefits and the mechanism of action. So Cameron really explains that super well. And I think my biggest takeaway from this is that it's putting our brains in a state where we can be calm, but also engaged with that, which I think is just kind of mind blowing because I think a lot of us think our brains are on or they're off. Like during the day we're like alert and most of us are in a stress state and then we turn off our brains and go to bed. But we really need to have like yeah. a balance where we are calm. Nervous system is calm, but we can still be productive, creative, and engaged. So that was a really cool thing, but uh, yeah. lots to learn here. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Cause we always have like coffee where we're just like stimulated and hyper-focused or like people are taking like sleep meds that are just knocking them out for the night. So mm. yeah, calm and focused. I love that. Great. So before I bring Cameron on, let me give you a little bit more info about him. So Cameron George is a researcher, writer, entrepreneur, and the founder of True Kava, a company that is striving to set the industry standard for quality, safety, and education around Kava within the mass market. True Kava is focused on developing scalable, user-friendly products that deliver the full therapeutic action of the traditional kava drink, which is the only form that has been highly prized in South Pacific Islands for over 3,000 years. Since discovering the amazing effects of traditional kava during his own chronic illness, Cameron spent many years investigating every aspect of kava and has collaborated with many of the most prominent experts in the world within the fields of kava research and historical kava use. I will say the history is really fascinating. And I think just the whole community aspect and connection around Kava is it just takes it to the next level. It's not just yeah. like some supplement in a pill form. It's really special. So if you haven't already heard of Kava, you are going to be so happy that you did after <laughs> today. Yes. All right. Let's bring Cameron on. All right. Welcome Cameron to the Biohacker Babes podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It'll be fun. Um, we've been following your work for, I think, about a year now. We first heard about you through Dave Asprey on Bulletproof and been using Kava, and we're really big fans. And you are the go-to expert on everything Kava. That's why we're so excited to chat with you today. And we were really fortunate enough to actually hear you live at the Biohacking Congress event. Well, live for me, I was there in person, got to meet you in person. Lauren was watching from home. 
And we learned even more during your presentation. It was just like endless information. So we're really excited to share this with our listeners. I think this might be new to a lot of people. So we're going to start with the basics and get into the nitty gritty. But before we do that, can you start off with your story? How did you first hear about Kava and learn about the amazing benefits of it? Oh, sure. Well, just kind of, you know, real quick here, I'll kind of encapsulate what Kava is, and then we can kind of jump back to how I found it. Sometimes it, it kind of helps people give some context to sort of where the story was going. Um, right. You know, so Kava generally, right? So it's a, a stress-relieving, mood-enhancing sort of nootropic um, plant elixir, a drink that is prepared from the roots of a shrub-like plant that grows in islands in the South Pacific called Piper Methysticum is the name of the plant is the, uh, is, is the scientific name of the plant. And, you know, this is an elixir that's been used for thousands of years by Polynesian and Micronesian cultures in the South Pacific islands by South Pacific islands. I mean, islands like Fiji and, and, uh, Tonga and Vanuatu is another one. And then obviously everybody is familiar with Hawaii, you know, Hawaii is a big one too. Um, but it's been used there, you know, sort of as a social enhancing anxiety relieving, alcohol alternative. They use it in the same context that we use alcohol and coffee. They use it as kind of like a, as a social lubrication, kind of social enhancing community, you know, your sense of community type of, um, you know, eliciting substance and right. So it's been used there, you know, in virtually every social context that you can imagine for, you know, close to 3000 years. So they use it for weddings, funerals, spiritual ceremonies, social gatherings and basically any kind of context where people try are trying to come together and sort of connect and open up and, you know, to sort of create that tight knit sense of tribalism and community. So in the West, we've started to embrace it kind of as, as a powerful anxiety reliever mainly because of all the stress related conditions that we have today that are obviously so life limiting. So it's like alcohol without the drunkenness. It's completely non-addictive, non-habit forming. And if you get it in its food grade form, it's completely non-toxic as well too. Uh, and there are some caveats to that if it's sourced incorrectly or the incorrect parts of the plant are used or it's contaminated. It's really kind of set up to be the next CBD. And you know, we believe that sometime in the near future, in the next few years, it's going to become as common as a cup of coffee and will be you know, hopefully fully integrated into modern culture and modern life as sort of a, a, a safer means of relieving anxiety and getting that sort of, you know, social lubrication without all of the, you know, potentially deleterious effects of, of alcohol and things, right? You know, especially in the time we live in today, that's a very traumatic time in a lot of respects uh, that a lot of people are retreating into various types of addiction. Addiction is going through the roof and you know, mental illness and suicide rates and all that kind of stuff. So I came across Kava really serendipitously through my own pretty severe health challenges. And um, when I was in my early 20s, I got severely sick with what at the time seemed like kind of like a very rare anomalous type of situation, very rare, unexplainable injurious illness uh, syndrome. But now you know, we kind of see these things as being you know, incredibly more common, right? Because they're becoming incredibly more common to get you know, very kind of unexplainable illnesses that that really at their roots uh, are kind of autoimmune in their origin. So I started to get sick. I was kind of one of these people that had what we call the perfect storm, like in functional medicine, uh, you know, happen in my life where, you know, basically I was a young guy. And at the time, it was a little bit more rare than it even is today um, to see someone who is that young get as sick as I did. I ended up near death and completely incapacitated for a number of years. 
And it, it happened because of this perfect storm, like all of the fronts sort of came together just right and the situation exploded and the bottom fell out. So by that, I mean, you know, factors like genetic susceptibility. I definitely had genetic susceptibility to certain forms of toxicity and, and trauma. I had um, many different toxic exposures, toxic lifestyle habits, including, you know, stuff in the food, dietary stuff. I was exposed to a handful of various, you know, pharmaceutical drugs that was prescribed to me by a psychiatrist at the time when I was early college trying to function. I had kind of a metabolic syndrome that was going on. So there was a lot of contributing factors to this. And then I had some huge, you know, sort of emotional traumas and things that happened in my personal life too at the time. Uh, so, so all this stuff happened and, you know, like I was saying, the bottom fell out. I developed some minor chronic fatigue at the time. And, uh, at the time I was a, I was a very high functioning, you know, young guy. I was working three jobs. I was, I was going to school. I was, um, I believe I was a junior in college and I was, a I, I was a collegiate athlete. I was a distance runner too, as well. And I was running professionally, you know, racing marathons and stuff too. So overtraining was a contributing factor in my process, kind of like the icing on the cake. But I got to a point where I got severely chronically fatigued, just thought I was overtraining, sort of backed off for a while. It didn't get better. Fatigue turned into more fatigue. Brain fog turned into more brain fog. Then I started having all kinds of weird food sensitivities, reactions, inflammatory stuff, aches and pains. I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? And eventually I was really unable to function. I, I basically had to withdraw from almost everything that I was doing. When it got severe, it got so bad that I couldn't even really make it out of bed. I was having severe cognitive deficits and all different kinds of things. So then I got prescribed all these these pharmaceutical drugs, the primary one being you know amphetamine-based, like ADHD type of drugs to kind of stimulate the brain, uh, which is really a bad strategy when you're already in a metabolic deficit, just override the system with psychostimulants. But it did. And I, I got on those and it that totally hijacked my personality, took me into a very toxic downward spiral, ended up just kind of like destroying what was left of my life at that time, led to all kinds of things, but also just blew out my nervous system. I ended up in a situation where I was having such severe cognitive deficits post-pharmaceutical drugs and this sort of preset set of like metabolic susceptibility that I was really unable to drive anymore. I was unable to like leave my house because I'd get confused in, in situations. I was starting to not recognize people in my family. And later on, when I started to get into you know, some of the investigatory work of trying to figure out what was wrong with me, because the standard allopathic model didn't give me any answers besides just more symptom control with drugs and allopathic-like interventions. But I ended up getting like functional brain imaging. The radiologist said that my brain looked very similar to a lot of his 80-year-old patients that he had with dementia. And so this wow. was a neurotoxic pattern that was all of these different stressors that came together. During this period of time, you know, you have the pharmaceutical drugs, you got all the bad lifestyle stuff, a few other bad chemical exposures. I was in a moldy apartment that had really bad stachybotrys or black mold infestation in it. And that can actually be, you know, deadly, especially at the level that it was at. So you can imagine it was a lot of things that came together. And it started me on this process where I completely lost my ability to function on a basic level. I, I had to like move back in with my parents at the time. I became totally dependent. I was basically handicapped. The only thing that I could do was allocate all of the energy and resources mentally that I had left to focusing on scouring medical and scientific literature, um, information, collaborating and calling across the country to various experts, doctors, researchers, scientists. I mean, it was like a full-time job just trying to figure out, okay, what went wrong and why did you know, going to my physician actually make my situation 10 times worse? 
choosing to go this route to sort of giving up responsibility for my health to this third party and not educating myself and understanding what health is and how you build health instead of how you fight disease and how you manage symptoms. So it was just a change in philosophy that I had to get. And then I had to sort of build this new paradigm over a number of years. It was kind of, it was a blessing in disguise because all of my um, distractions were taken away from me. And the only thing that I had was my ability to investigate and to just dig really, really deep into just sucking as much information as I possibly could. And then I had to use experts to help me arrange it and systematize it. And that took basically a long time. I finally, long story short, things got really bad. I ended up, I mean, they got way worse before they got better because I wasn't finding enough answers quickly enough. I was continuing to deteriorate. And eventually the reactions that I was, that I was talking about got so bad that I was going into like severe anaphylaxis and having multiple seizures a day just from being exposed to different foods. These food sensitivities were turning into full-blown like seizure-like convulsions. And so I got to where I couldn't really eat anything. I just got weaker. My system was getting sicker, more toxic. I finally came across a group of, you know, a network of functional medicine doctors. And someone introduced me to um, an expert in the field in cellular detoxification. His name was Dan Pompa. And I got to be good friends with him. He took me on as a client because detoxification was, a, was sort of a uh, at the heart of how I got my life back with regenerative medicine and with, you know, various other kinds of nutritional interventions and things. So it was a multi-therapeutic approach that I had to assimilate. But I tell you all that to kind of set up the fact that I, I got to a certain point where even when I started, you know, getting good answers in a system that I could work to start to rebuild my health, I was unable to execute any of the protocols and things that I had in front of me because my reactions to everything were so bad and my convulsions that I was having were so bad, right? And I was having these seizures. And so I was put on heavy doses of benzodiazepine drugs, Xanax, Klonopin, drugs like that, which I was opposed to because I'd already been down the drug route. It had like totally torched me, but I had to in order to like eat food to just, uh, you know, keep these convulsions under control. And the problem was, is that with pharmaceutical drugs, they don't work these single molecules that don't have any intelligence to them that are just like synthetic, you know, molecules, which is what pharmaceutical drugs are. Um, they just sort of hack your body and manipulate your body into redistributing its chemistry and using up its stores, basically, right? So that you're not creating any more of these brain chemicals, whether you're taking an antidepressant or you know a psychostimulant or a benzodiazepine. Like with the benzos, for example, they work on this pathway called GABA, which is like the main brakes of the nervous system, and they just plug into a receptor, open up the floodgates, and basically use up your stores, your expression stores of that particular chemical and activate that pathway. So it's sort of like borrowing from tomorrow to pay for today, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's like charging on credit with your own brain chemistry, right? There's no free lunch when it comes to drugging your brain. It's like people's like, oh, I take this drug and I feel better. It's like, well, today you feel better. Tomorrow you feel twice as bad because it's kind of stealing from the system. Plant medicine works totally differently because it's a living organism. Plant medicines are that interface with the body because they come from natural ecology, just like a food does. So they're, they have the same blueprint as the body in, the, in, in a similar way. But anyways, so I was on these heavy doses of these benzodiazepines and they were losing their effectiveness. And the problem with benzodiazepines is, is they're one of the worst, hardest drugs to get off of in the entire pharmacopoeia. I mean, it's that and opiates. Um, you can actually die from the withdrawals. And I was so fragile at the time that they were keeping my seizures down, but they were depleting that same system. And the seizures were already bad enough and my body was weak enough from malnutrition that I was already in a state where these seizures could have been lethal. 
So I had to find an, a way off of these things, right? Safely. And I couldn't do a lot of the, of the nutritional strategies or the detoxification or the regenerative medicine stuff because my body would react to everything. So I was in this negative feedback loop where I had to kind of get a leg up on it somehow. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. I just wanted to take a quick break from today's show to tell you about one of our favorite supplement companies, Keon. They make a couple amazing products that are just our absolute go-tos, such as the Keon Aminos for building muscle and helping us get through a fast, the Keon Lean, which helps with blood sugar support, weight loss, and Keon Flex to keep our joints healthy so that we can hit the gym extra hard the next day. And even the coffee is fabulous. So the coffee is super, super clean, mold-free. They test it and it also tastes delicious. They even have a dark roast coffee now. So those are just a few of our top favorites, but Keon has a ton of great stuff. So definitely check out their website. If you go to getkeon, and that's K-I-O-N.com slash biobabes, you can check out all of their awesome products. And then at checkout to get 15% off, just use code BIOBABES15. And in case you need the link, we will put that in the show notes for today's episode. All right. If you have any questions, let us know. Hope you enjoy the products. But I was looking for a plant-based alternative to a benzodiazepine, right? Something that bound to the same receptors that could kind of prop them up to allow me to, to sort of taper off like safely. And I honestly didn't think I was going to find it because benzos are really strong. And there's a lot of these, like, you know, if you look at, you know, the series of plant compounds that are well known that bind to these, these receptors, you know, the GABA receptors, these inhibitory receptors, there's a lot of them that people know of. You can find your health food store. Um, there's, there's valerian root, passion flower, lemon balm, skull cap, you know, chamomile, all of these bind to those, but they bind very lightly. They're very, very light. They're, they're not anywhere near what you would need to like taper off a of benzo. They're helpful if someone is healthy already and they're good herbs, but trying to tackle my situation with those herbs was a little bit like trying to take down an elephant with a BB gun. You know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it just, it's, it's something, but it's not going to, it's not going to do the job. Yeah. So I was, I was looking for what else was available. I'd come across kava before and I knew that kava was like this amazing anxiolytic herb that worked on these pathways, but I came across an indigenous Islander from the South Pacific, you know, through one of my contacts. And he was asking me, like, well, have you tried kava? That's the obvious choice, you know? I mean, it's like our main medicine, our most prized medicinal substance here in the South Pacific. Everyone drinks it. I said, well, I've tried kava. I got it from the health food store. I tried several companies from the health food store, you know, two years ago. And it didn't do anything more for me than just like a little bit of chamomile or something like that. It was mildly sedating. And he said, okay, well, what'd you try? And I told him, and then he kind of laughed, you know, not that he was laughing at me, but he, you know, he kind of laughed and said, well, that's not kava, right? So basically, I learned this whole process about how extraction really makes a massive difference. And with certain herbs, it, it's like a make or break. Some herbs you can extract with like traditional cookie cutter sort of westernized methods, like using these solvents, just like ethanol or even chemical solvents to grab a few of the actives, and you still translate into a portion of the effects. Kava, whenever you extract with solvents, like all of these kava kava capsules in the United States... This, this term kava kava is given to what people think is kava, but it's, it's not by definition kava. Kava is this full spectrum elixir that's produced from the roots of the shrub. And it's produced in a certain way that you get out the, you know, you know, the full matrix of active synergistic constituents. And it's a mixture that works in synergy with your body. And these solvents that they use like alcohol or ethanol in the, in the United States to produce these high yield extracts and capsules, they kill like 90% of the effects. 
So you end up with something that's mildly sedating, but you lose the depth and complexity of the Kava experience because the, the real Kava experience is a very psychological experience. It's a very physiological experience. There's a deep kind of relaxation that can come over you with certain strains. There's also a mind activation. There's also an entheogenic quality to Kava in its traditional form, not in its capsule form, not in that, that form you get at the health food store, meaning that it has effects that are kind of akin to um, what's become really popular in these psychedelic compounds that are becoming popular. It has a lot of these effects on, you know, inducing these states of like introspective and creative thinking and bringing out feelings of empathy, which is why it's really, really good in social context at really opening up and connecting with people. But it does it in a way that doesn't take you into an altered state like a heavy psychedelic would. Like it doesn't, it's not visual in that sense. So it, it doesn't affect your fine motor skills at all. It's like a, a calm, enhanced state of introspective natural sobriety, right? You know, they have a saying in the islands that um, in Vanuatu, in the in the in the tribes there, that the village, uh, you know, the people in the village talk about, and they say that a, a man who drinks alcohol becomes a beast, a man who drinks kava becomes more of who he really is. So that's they kind of you know say it in that way. I started to realize this pretty instantly when I started actually drinking kava. So my friend from the South Pacific, he started sending me the dried root, or actually sent me some of the fresh frozen root to get the full experience. You know, he was sending it in these, these fresh, uh, you know, frozen bags. And he taught me how to prepare it correctly and everything, basically kneading it into a bowl of hot water, you know, for like 45 minutes. And it was really messy. And I ended up with this big bowl of like muddy water, right? So it's like, it looked really nasty, but I was perfectly happy to, <laughs> to drink that. Like I'll try whatever. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I started using it and was just totally blown away. Like it was like night and day. Like it wasn't even the same thing as what I had tried before. You know, in like two weeks of using this stuff, I was like, my reactions, my sensitivities, my convulsions had reduced by like 80%, which was crazy because I didn't expect something to work that fast, but it just sort of, it activated all these neuroprotective pathways that sort of stopped, you know, the convulsatory process before it even started. And it's like I had tried CBD and all these other things, and they were they were helpful to some degree, but this really, really sort of took care of it. And then after a month of using it, uh, or sorry, after two months of using, it, I was completely off of benzos, uh, which is like unheard of if you think about this, because like usually with benzodiazepines, like you have to do a very careful, concise tapering process. It, it can take sometimes a yeah. year and a half. And even after that, you're left depleted and not totally the same. And I, when I got off of benzos, I felt better than I did before I got on them. Now we know because we're starting to see in the scientific literature that, that kava is eliciting over long-term use, you know, traditional kava is, um, you know, contributing to GABA receptor upregulation. And we actually see with long-term use an increase in GABA receptor density or the creation of new receptors for that pathway and the upregulation of all of those systems that mobilize resources to that pathway. So it's actually helping not to only acutely give a safe crutch, right, to prop up that system that's weak and depleted, but it actually helps to rehabilitate it also. So it was just miraculous in that, in that standpoint. So not only from trying to get off of benzos, but also trying to get off alcohol because alcohol affects that pathway as well too. But then also just people who are in these hypersympathetically dominant states, like many or most people are today, because they have so much stress and trauma that their body is favored sympathetic and they're very imbalanced. They've depleted that side of the system. They're parasympathetic. This helps to basically rehabilitate or helps the body to, to, to process that stress and that trauma out via you know, these chemical pathways, but also puts you into this introspective state 
that allows you to start forming positive associations with past experiences too, which is another thing that we can touch on, which is why we're getting, you know, covened a lot of, you know, clinical research in the future for PTSD. We think it's going to be, mm. you know, really great because it basically is a protective substance that the indigenous people have seen as a medicine that helps us process all forms of trauma. And we know yeah. that even emotional trauma, which is actually what they prize it more for because they don't have the physical elements that we do. So I got off of benzos in a very short amount of time by taking this hmm. and really tackled my situation. And in three years, I was I was a good 70, 80% back, totally fully functioning again, It was which was very miraculous in and of itself. My you know, you know, everything cognitively came back. I mean, this took time. This was a long period of time, but you know, I was able to do it. And Kava was an amazing leverage tool that allowed me to do all these other things. But you know, Kava is an amazing tool that absolutely can, and I believe will be as common as coffee or hopefully more common than soda, you know, at, you know, at some point, right? I hope so. Um, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear all that you went through with your health struggles. I, I appreciate, I know you can see the upside of that, that, you know, you've, discovered Kava and you're bringing it to the world. And so I'm sorry about your journey, but also grateful. And thank you for doing all the work to bring Kava. Cause I think you're right. Maybe Kava is going to be the next coffee bar or alcohol bar. Like that would be amazing. Sorry, oh, Lauren, totally. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, I really want to go all the way back to like, <laughs> to go when you were talking about your perfect storm. Cause it sounds like a, a lot of people out there are just at the tipping point of that perfect storm. You know, our bucket overflows and we seem so resilient until one day the bucket tips over and it's like, Oh God, so hard to clean up the storm after it's happened. Obviously we want to go after inflammation, make sure that we're keeping that at bay in a healthy level. But can you talk about what Kava may do to the brain as a neuroprotective agent? Because what I'm really fascinated by is that it could do so many different things from calming down the nervous system to acting as a psychedelic, to being like a social engagement. It can be so many different things, but can we bring it back to the, the very main, I guess, mechanism of action, what it's doing to your brain tissue? Oh, and cells? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, in order to understand all the scientific pathways, which is always good to unpack because we've got so much great research and, uh, you know, for those people who are educated on those pathways, it's, it's good to unpack those. But I like to start with, you know, more from a experiential and philosophical standpoint, what kava is, because if we can understand what some of these organisms, whether it be plant, fungal, or even higher vertebrate organisms are in relation to the natural ecology and their role that they play it's easier to understand why they do what they do and how one thing can be good for so many things, right? Because a lot, oftentimes people ask, okay, you say it's good for this and this and this. Why is it good for so many things? Hmm, kind of like CBD, right? Exactly. And, <laughs> the and, and sometimes marketing yeah. takes takes a hold and then it's, you know, you take like a contribution that it makes uh, on a supportive level and then people kind of go to like, oh, it, it, it ameliorates, it cures this, right? So we're, it's like, <laughs> I'm so careful about that because like I, in no way, it's like in my process, it's not like Kava was like a one-stop shop cure-all. It just magic made it pill, an ex yeah. yeah, there is no magic pill. I got my life back and people get their life back through multi-therapeutic approaches of creating a synergistic protocol or a you know plan, basically doing the right combination of things that synergistically work together long enough to where you can shift the body away from disease and towards health and rebuild health. When you rebuild health, disease tends to disappear because it's really, you know, your disease is kind of like a lack of health, right? So the health mm -hmm. is failing and you rebuild it. But it takes, you know, approaching it from multiple different levels and doing the basics. Obviously, you know, you know, exercise, sleep, nutrition, mindset, all of those things, getting all the basics and then getting into some of more of the, you know, the nitty gritty special stuff. When it comes but to making sure the nervous system is calm to do all of those things, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So 
So the thing that I like about Kava is that in order, a lot of times people get in this negative feedback loop that I was in, right? And it ends up being this really powerful snowball that has so much momentum and inertia behind it that you can't even interrupt it enough to start getting under the hood to really work because everything is so mm-hmm. traumatic and mm-hmm. the fear and the stress and the trauma of the entire process can be so paralyzing. It can be paralyzing or it can make people retreat, right? It can make people just not know what to do or be in such a tizzy or frizzy or they're just so, they can't even, like it makes people want to either turn to drugs just to get some relief, you know, you know, medications, alcohol, or to just retreat and not to deal with any of it because they can't handle it, right? Yeah. Kava is an amazing plant medicine that is kind of like an acutely therapeutic sort of safe crutch, you know, safe plant-based crutch that gives people some acute instantaneous relief instead of like the subtle long-term relief that you get from just basic nutrition or even adaptogenic herbs and different things like that, um, while also kind of working under the hood at the same time. But by you know shutting down the stress system and helping to, to balance that sympathetic parasympathetic out pretty quickly, it helps to sort of interrupt that negative feedback pattern and stop the snowball or at least slow down the snowball so you can look at everything and start getting to work, right? So it gives you some relief to where you can actually start to kind of take a breather. You can get you know your mood elevated. You can feel better. You can get more energy and motivation and mental clarity and relaxation because that's really what Kava is about, relaxation, mood, and mental clarity. If there are three things that kind of encapsulate the Kava experience and then the introspective stuff, the psychological stuff, but the state that it puts you in is kind of a state of calm, enhanced focus. So good Kava actually isn't just like a sedative. Like a benzo will just shut off your brain. Kava relaxes you while engaging you at the same time, so which is great because that's where you want to be. You want to be in this kind of calm, focused alpha state to kind of get into your maximum level of creativity that's actually going to get you out of your circumstances where you can get out of that sort of beta stress, frantic panic state and not be in like dead delta, you know, totally crash state either. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. So, so yeah, so it's, it's a great tool for helping to get the body and the mind into that state which is why it's just such a great sort of first intervention. And, you know, not to mention if you're like a functional medicine practitioner or a health coach or anything, you're trying to help, you know, patients or clients, it's a great thing that you can give people that they see results instantly and it keeps them interested. Because a lot of times this multi-therapeutic approach, the sum of all the subtleties that gets you well, all the little things, um, they take time to execute and to implement. And it takes time to see some effects. If you can give them something that's natural, non-addictive, and that they see results off of, it can allow them to take a breather. They'll be able to, to process more of what you're telling them to listen to you. They won't be in this state where they can't do and they're paralyzed by things. It's a great sort of introductory sort of you know, medicinal substance that kind of helps to interrupt take that. Take the edge off. And, yeah. and it, so, so it does that. I was talking you know, you know, philosophically from the ecology. Kava's main sort of identity, if you will, or you know, from, a, from its, its main fingerprint or its main identity in the natural ecology is that it's a protective substance, right? So, I mean, we could go into the weeds explaining about what it actually does, but basically, right. you know, I think Kava you said plays... it's called it's called the great protector. Yes, yeah, that's okay. that's what it's starting to be referred to, like in the ethnobotanical wing of the scientific community, okay. um, because it ha- it plays a very protective role in the natural ecology, right? You know, through chemistry, it adapts to stress, obviously, by producing a whole ray or a complete you know subset of catalytic processes that lead to a whole host of, of, of adaptive chemistry, basically, right? So basically that means it develops a chemical profile that you know addresses basically every step in the stress adaptation process for all life and biology. And that means everything from plants 
that's also compatible up to higher vertebrates. So basically, it's what that means. It, it develops the chemistry in the signals that help mobilize an adaptation to stress. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, same in our body. You know, we, it's like, you know, whenever we get, you know, confronted with stress, our body kicks out a lot of these inhibitory chemicals, serotonin and endorphins and dopamine, like whenever, like we're, we're running on the treadmill or we're lifting weights, you know, you get that kind of release of endorphins to kind of like adapt to the pain. And, you know, these plants do the same thing, but some plants play a more protective role to protect, you know, you know, basically, you know, through their, their plant defense compounds, other plant compounds and fungal compounds in the area and other animals as well. And they're exposed to very harsh conditions and attacked a lot by various things. And so they have to develop this robust adaptive chemistry. And that chemistry is like a chemical shield or a buffer against stress. And so whenever human beings take the consumable parts of that plant, you don't want to consume the above ground parts because they're too protective, right? Meaning they contain some of these defense compounds that they don't want toxic? to eat it. It's, it's irritating and it's mildly toxic. It's, is that know, like the, the leaves toxic- and the stems? What yes. part are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. So the, the aerial parts, meaning the leaves and the stems, contain alkaloids that are plant defense compounds and, and, and toxic to the mitochondria. Not to a point even like the level of toxicity has been even over, over accentuated, you know, you know, over exacerbated, but it can make you sick, right? It can give you horrible stomach ache. It can make you sick. The indigenous people figured this out years ago and they've never consumed the aerial parts ever since. So that's why the drink is prepared from the roots, the underground parts that don't produce those because it doesn't, it doesn't have pests, you know, chewing at the roots. So it doesn't need to develop those, but it still has all of the adaptive chemistry that helps the internal adaptation not like, you know, the, you know, the sort of pesticide insecticide, you know, effect of like actually, you know, getting rid of things that eat it. So that's, those are two different things. So it doesn't develop like the bullets or the missiles, but it develops sort of the shield against mm, the stress. Cool. So, you know, the roots and even the basal stump that comes right above the ground are the consumable parts of the plant. So basically whenever human beings consume that, it transfers that chemical shield, that chemical adaptability to you, right? From one organism to another which is really amazing how that works. So, okay, so how that plays out yeah. in, in the science is, is that all of those pathways that are adaptations against various forms of stress hormones, you know, excitatory processes, inflammatory processes, kava hits on virtually every one of them across the board because it's a complete biological organism that's creating that adaptation and we're a complete biological organism. So it doesn't just develop it for one pathway like we would if we created a pharmaceutical drug. It develops protection across the board, cellular and neural protection across the entire biological spectrum. Okay. So the main pathway that it's most well known for hitting is that GABA pathway. Now, GABA is protective because it opposes glutamate. And glutamate, it's a very important neurotransmitter, but it's like GABA's equal opposite. GABA is like the main brakes of the nervous system. Glutamate's like the main gas. Glutamate's important, but it's very carefully regulated. Um, if it gets too overexcited, it starts to burn out everything in its path. It starts to destroy and create inflammation. So basically, in any cellular or neural injury that you see, you see what's called excitotoxicity afterwards, where the brain's immune system goes crazy. It starts spitting out glutamate in excess, and then it starts self-damaging the system with friendly fire. So glutamate is very important to keep under control, and that's what's involved in seizure activity. When the system is unable to balance itself from too much irritation, stress, trauma, then it ends up overexpressing this glutamate pathway and sends the system into convulsions, basically shocks it basically to death and starts doing damage. So GABA opposes that. So GABA is protective by shutting down too much excitation that creates damage, right? That storm in the system. And it shuts down the stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline 
that when chronically activated start to harm the body and, and make it hypoxic and do damage and accelerate the aging process. So there's the GABA pathway. It also is an ion channel blocker, like which is the exact mechanism that most anti-seizure meds work on. Ions like sodium and calcium channels, when you get an influx of those two things into the cell, which is activated by glutamate and this whole like reactive process, inflammatory process, you get an influx of these, these minerals into the cell, these ions that, uh, that excite the cell and cause inflammation, cause hydroxyl free radicals. And even, you know, we know now with uh, exposure to electromagnetism, electromagnetic radiation, like microwave radiation, cell phones and everything. We know from, you know, this gentleman named Martin Paul's work that uh, one of the main mechanisms that it damages the DNA is by activating this influx of calcium into the cell overexciting the cell and creating all this stress and causing this, this DNA damage. So, you know, so basically, Kava acts as a GABA receptor modulator, and upregulator, without depleting it, upregulates and re-nourishes that system. It blocks um, the overaccentuation of this calcium and this sodium into the cell. It also is a COX-1 and COX-2 inhibitor, you know, mainly COX-2, mm. which is the same mechanism that uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories work on except for it's not toxic to the kidneys or the gut lining like these drugs are, which is why you have to be incredibly careful mm-hmm. with them. So it's anti-inflammatory. It's also what's called an NRF2 upregulator, which is an adaptive hormetic pathway. So it stimulates your body's natural antioxidant systems like glutathione peroxidase, catalase, and superoxide dismutase. Um, so it stimulates your body to pump out and uh, it, it starts to express all of these natural sort of antioxidant type of uh, systems. So those are just a few of the pathways that, you know, from a, a neuroprotective and a tissue protective standpoint, help to kind of create this biochemical shield that helps to protect us from, from the damaging effects of stress. So whenever we're confronted with stress, it does less damage and it sticks less as a pattern in our system. And freeing us up from that, it also takes us into this psychological introspective alpha state where we can start to reflect and form new new neural pathways that are linked to positive associations with our past experiences because of how it's increasing serotonin and all this other stuff. So it's helping not only to reduce the damaging effects of physical, psychological, emotional, and chemical stress, because emotional stress becomes chemical, becomes cortisol, glutamate, all those things, but it also helps to process the patterns that are locked in there and to help our, our body process the trauma, which is actually something that the indigenous people have been talking about for millennia. They don't talk about it in scientific terms. They don't use these terms of these pathways, right? right? They have different language, but they see it more of a, as, as a psychological medicine than they do a physiological because they don't have the kinds of stress related <laughs> massive illness that we do. Like they live yeah. very close into the natural ecology. They're tight communities. They don't have the kind of depression or anything that we have. They don't have all the glyphosate and the and the pesticides and all this kind of stuff. But what they do have, just like anybody else, is that they they are interested in developing themselves uh, and you know developing the fabric of their communities. And they see it as when someone has psychological issues, someone who consumes combo over a long period of time becomes more introspective, more empathetic, and you know connects easier with others. And it tends to complexify the range of thought patterns that a person has, just like most entheogens do. A lot of people in Silicon Valley and business owners and things are starting to use microdoses of psychedelics because they increase this connection between left and right hemispheres of the brain. So they elicit and allow for more of this, what, what I call systems thinking. That, that connection between left and right brain, you know, the rational, systematic, analytical part and the introspectic, open, you know, sort of visionary part is very crucial into being able to see the big picture in reality instead of being 
honed in on your immediate reactive day-to-day step-by-step circumstances, right? Being caught in the rat race and the hamster wheel, which we all tend to do because there's a lot going on and stress puts you in that state where you're just reacting. Psychedelics and compounds like this that help, and even meditation and other practices, allow you to sort of step back and see the big picture and reflect and you know be able to sort of access the trajectory of all of your, not only memories, but also the trajectory of your life and to kind of see it just like, like an architect would look at, like at, at a schematic, right? And you can say, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's not good. I don't believe that. I was totally off base there. What's going on there? You know, so you can kind of look at it like that. And you're just very, you're more honest with yourself. It, it's, you know, under these kind of states. And so the indigenous people, like, you know, for example, they have a rule in Vanuatu, like the chief who still has kind of reign over the, you know, he kind of has say in the village. If there's a dispute between two parties in the village, they're forced to sit down and settle it over Kava. Like that's, that's, it's just part of their culture. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's it's amazing. One of those things. In Vanuatu and in Fiji, they have 20 times as many Kava bars as they have regular bars. Westerners have brought alcohol there, but they're like, you know, like, you know, I mean, most of the time, like they still drink it some, but they're like, this is way better. Like, like I, why, why would you I drink this? Like, it's like, cause they see at the regular bars, like, you know, sometimes it'll be fine, but it's at a certain level. And then sometimes fights will break out and sometimes this and that, like it just like, like, like yeah. alcohol can do. And then everyone feels like crap the next day. They're like, why yeah. would I bother with yeah, this? It's so <laughs> toxic. And you'll never Physically, see a, emotionally. You, you'll never see a fight break out of the Kava bar. That will not happen. You know, I mean, it, you know, unless someone's <laughs> not drinking Kava there. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things that like, it's so it's, there's nothing like it because it leaves you feeling totally sober. Like you don't feel like you're out of control at all. Multiple studies have been done looking at, you know, individuals, faculties, their, their ability to drive. And, you know, if you go really high, crazy doses, you could be a little distracting. You may not want to drive for like 30 minutes, but you know, for the most part, <laughs> it's, it leaves your faculties intact and you're not in this state where, you're saying things that you're going to regret or doing things that you're going to regret. In fact, you, you feel more like yourself. And some of the best conversation I've ever had has come like during Kava sessions and maybe with other plant medicine too, but it just, it absolutely opens up this line of connection and communication. That's just very authentic, very genuine, and just leads to not only a great reflective process for yourself, but also starts to build these pathways through keeping you in this perspective regularly um, that's more all-inclusive, uh, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's really amazing in that sense. Hey, biohackers, a brief interruption to talk to you about the incredible benefits of red light therapy. You may have noticed that Renee and I post a lot of photos and videos that are overwhelmingly red in the background. That is because we are true believers in the healing powers of the visible light spectrum. And usually that is red light, but there are so many colors that we can benefit from. Simply standing in front of light can activate your body's many systems to work more optimally for better overall health. Light therapy, also called photobiomodulation, is beneficial to metabolism. It can help with healthy weight maintenance. Researchers actually believe that light therapy affects cells that store fat by reducing specific proteins associated with glucose intolerance, insulin resistance, and high triglyceride levels. It's excellent for pain reduction and supporting the inflammatory process and often associated poor circulation. There are certain light waves that can reverse the effects of aging on our skin, as well as heal and repair other areas of our body, such as our brain, our muscles, our gut, even wounds and injuries. I have personally found that healing from challenging workouts or even acute injuries from performing is much faster and much more efficient with red light. 
Light therapy is truly helpful for so many conditions ranging from weekend warriors with back tightness to those suffering from autoimmune diseases or those suffering from depression. The benefits really are endless. We had owner and founder of Lightpath LED, Scott Kennedy, on the Biohacker Babes podcast. And my biggest takeaway from that interview, he said, light therapy only does one thing, but it does it very, very well. It focuses on the cells, the mitochondria, and helps the cells to create more energy that our body needs to thrive every day. Essentially, we're kickstarting the process of healing. Everything is going to work better with this light exposure. Renee and I have found tremendous benefit in our daily lives and in our quest for energy optimization. So we feel very passionate about sharing this amazing device with you. If you want to learn more, check out our interview with Scott in season two, episode 66, and then head over to Lightpath LED to take advantage of our 10% off discount with code biohackerbabes. Again, that's lightpathled.com. The code is biohackerbabes that will save you 10%. He has so many amazing devices. My personal favorite and the one I'm currently using is the red plus near infrared tabletop device. The best part, Scott is his own best customer service. When you purchase a device, he is going to call you personally and explain everything that you need to know from setup all the way to finish to make sure that you are having the best experience possible. We hope that you can bring red light into your home as well and experience these amazing benefits and you too can light up your home with red light. (laughs) Let's get back to the show. I have to say the first time that I tried it and I didn't know at the time what it was. I'll keep this short because our audience has heard the story so many times, but I tried it in Hawaii because I didn't want to drink one night and I saw it was like their mocktail. I had no idea. I was not able to drive. I got in the car. I was like, this is not going to (laughs) happen. But I really, I felt amazing. And the next day I felt amazing. So I understand the power of it. And I just think in, in this day and time, so many people can use that from a psychological perspective. Like you said, I know you've said healthy individuals make healthy societies. Like if we could Mm -hmm. send this to the masses, we could really do some powerful healing. Do you feel like that is a practical wish, I guess? Absolutely. I mean, that's part of why we're so passionate about this particular project. I mean, I'm involved in several, you know, projects and involved in, you know, product development and several, um, you know, areas of the market and have a lot of things that on the, in the pipeline, you know, your things I'd like to do, but this project is very important to me because nobody's doing it right. And there's a lot of overlapping pieces that have to be put together for it to be done right and popularized. It needs to be done. Kava can be screwed up so easily and that's why it hasn't already exploded. That's why that's, and you know, in mm. you know, cannabis can too. That's why cannabis, it took so long for us to finally get this story right. Oh, this is CBD, this is marijuana, this is it took right. us how many decades to get to there? And right. it's like we had to overcome all of these negative connotations and and yeah, people, people are still afraid medicine. of it. Yeah, and yeah, it's like it's just context matters, right? It's you know, first of all, it's like it's 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 an important conversation with kava, just like with cannabis or any other plant medicine. When people ask about kava, it's like you have to be clear about what you're talking about because. With kava, you have to be clear on the form. Okay, is it actual kava? Is it the traditional prep? And then two, what strain are you are you consuming? And in what amount as well? Because there's over 200 different strains of actively used kava. So like you're saying, wow. especially if you're on the more sensitive side of things, you get a really strong shell from the islands. Um, there are some strains of kava that are that are more heavy that you may want to, you know, just kind of sit and relax for a little while before you do anything. 
because they can be pretty darn strong. But mm. you know, most of the of the noble daily use strains are are more controlled than that, and they just have a different effect. That you're highly productive. It's kind of like the opposite. You're highly productive whenever you use them. So there are some strains that are more daytime strains, and some strains that are more nighttime strains. They all affect the GABA pathway. Some also affect the dopamine pathway more, and those are more daytime strains. And some are heavier on some of these other pathways. They all are are anxiolytic, but just some will actually like put you to sleep. Some will just calm you, but not put you to sleep. Some will calm you and activate you and get the wheels turning in a very social way. So there's just like with cannabis, there's a variation of different strains and concentrations as well too. So what we're trying to do is to try to take the ones that are most, you know, the mixtures that are going to appeal to the most number of people and to standardize that and then create specialty forms because we don't want to confuse people or oversaturate it. It's kind of like introducing something into the market that people can call kava. We're using the strains that are most lucrative to the highest number of people that can be most highly tolerated. We keep it within a certain, we've developed standards of, a chemo, of you know, chemical fingerprints we call chemotypes that we keep it within a certain standardized range that we can say, okay, well, this is the baseline that's most tolerable to the most number of people. And then we standardize that and then we go from there. And we've got a whole classification system that we've gone from there. But yeah. the, the first couple of products that we developed are actually not that full-blown effect as much that like you experienced in Hawaii or even the full-blown effect of a kava drink. They're more controlled. And so like, like the oil that we developed is something that we specifically developed it to be more of a tonic, like you could take any time of the day, all ages, under any circumstance, it more runs in the background. And you could put it in your coffee, the coffee enhances the uptake, helps even with like intermittent fasting because it helps to suppress appetite and all this stuff and stimulate you know, ketogenesis and stuff. That's, and that's kind of another thing. But the oil is more of like an all-purpose kind of food thing, just kind of like MCT, right? We still has the, the broad spectrum effects of kava, but just at a depth and concentration that's very tolerable. So you could take it morning or night and yes. be fine. And the strain that we use is one that's like in the middle, right? So it's not sedating, but it's not overly activating as well. It's in the middle. Mm -hmm. That calm focus is what you're going for. And with yeah. that strain, can you modulate your experience depending on what you want? Like depending on the dose or time of day, like you can take the same strain and depending on how much you take, you can change the experience. Yeah, yeah, with that a little bit, yeah, you can you can take higher dosage, and it's probably going to it's going to teeter more towards the anxiolytic side and the relaxing side. So you take a lower dosage for your for your daytime sort of more nootropic type of experience. Um, but for the most part, it's a very balanced strain that's almost kind of adaptogenic in the nature that it does more at different times of the day depending on what your body's mm -hmm. doing. Um, huh. But it's probably you know people like it the most probably like afternoon to like early evening, probably. That's probably when people like it the absolute most. Although there's plenty of people that take it in the morning or multiple times a day. With that strain, it's a strain from Vanuatu that's extremely versatile in that regard. So it's really good. We actually are fixing to release our what we've sort of been building up to for a bit, which is our drink and shot line. We have a shot right now. It's like a five-hour energy shot, but just it's you uh -oh. know, kava, basically. <laughs> I got to uh, try it. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's a step above you know the oil, but it's not nearly as strong as what we have coming. What we have coming is comes in a shot form and a drink form. It's going to come like in twelve ounce cans and glass bottles eventually. Uh, so it's going to be like what you would get instead of a beer or in, instead of a, a, a kombucha in in some circumstances. Hmm. It's like the full effects of what you'd get at a kava bar, right? But in a stabilized, carbonated flavor, like it tastes really good. Like it tastes like a you know a carbonated drink with like no added sugar. It's like keto friendly and all that. And so it's, it's like great. It's very hard to stabilize kava 
you prepare it and the effects can dissipate within a few hours or start to grow bacteria and different things. And so, and to get the taste out to where it doesn't taste or feel like muddy water in your mouth for it to actually be a lucrative drink was there's quite a bit of R and D in that. So this next month, we're going to be releasing these drinks. That's going to be more of like the recreational, you know, highly medicinal effect that you get from kava. We've got, you know, a supplement Mm -hmm. product too, that's a concentrate that will be in a capsule that is traditional kava in a capsule that will be on the horizon as well too. So we have these kind of like food drink supplement that we're, that we're trying to focus on. And then we have R and D for other forms, but we're trying to stay focused as we're popularizing it. So people don't get too confused with forms and we're trying to standardize a balanced form and then specialize into specific forms for like medical application as we go farther into that into the future. Um, but as we're trying to popularize as a lifestyle brand, we want it to be people refer to kava, they're referring to kava, and we have a standardized form of it to where people aren't so confused by different strains and things, you know, but we will have those available, those specialized forms in the future going into it, because we're involved in a lot of the research on dialing that in for clinical application studies, practice and stuff like that. Exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to try like the bigger drink. Um, I, I tried the energy shot and I liked that. I got like a really nice clean energy, um, at biohacking Congress, but I'm excited for the drinks. So definitely have to stay tuned on that. Oh, the drink is, yeah, the drink is really like from a, all, all those effects that I was talking about, as far as like the Kava bar type of effects, the the safe recreational alcohol alternative effects are really where the drink like really shines. Like it's really the only natural substance that really delivers as like an alcohol alternative, right? Like you could actually drink Mm -hmm. it like you would drink alcohol and be like, and if it hits with you well and you build it up long enough, those effects are extremely exciting just as a safe alternative, you know, for the marketplace. Now, so if you look at cultures that say embrace plant medicine, like in the Amazon, like ayahuasca or psilocybin as their main way that they move into altered states, their value structure usually resembles something of highly valuing the natural ecology, for example, highly valuing personal relationships, highly valuing, you know, a sense of community or a a, a tight knit sort of tribe or a sense of like, you know, you know, the other taking care of one another. There's just a sense of interconnection that's deepened by those altered states, right? You know, because they move people into these sort of, you know, deeper aspects of themselves, you know, know, so basically, you know, you know, the psychological health reflects that too, obviously, because cultures that embrace those kind of altered states generally have lower rates of depression and mental illness and mental neuroses. And, and, you know, sometimes they they virtually have no depression at all, um, especially in hunter-gatherer cultures that we still see today. You know, so basically, you know, healthy-minded cultures build healthy societies, obviously, because everything starts with perspective mindset through which we collectively engage in a process moving forward, you know, together in life and on this planet. Obviously, anything that we can do to move away from the things that are inhibiting that, obviously, inhibiting sort of escapist mentalities, victim mentalities, you know, and empowering introspective, um, reflective mentalities that elicit a type of honesty, authenticity, and a sense of personal responsibility because we're forced to actually look at our internal circumstances that have run away from them. You know, anything that accentuates those states of consciousness is going to contribute to positive neurological and perspective development. You know, individuals collectively, I believe, will start to uh, you know reflect that more and more. So I think Kava yes. is one of those tools that if you if you integrate it into every layer of the infrastructure, just like we do alcohol, and you have people in these states more often, then I think you're going to get a net positive result from that. That's awesome. Yeah. Cameron, thank you so much. This is so wonderful. Um, I think our audience is like, we're going to buy it right now. 
We need Java. <laughs> it is so, so fascinating. We're going to send our audience to your website, of course, but we like to end our interviews with one final piece of advice. If we could simplify it and give our audience just one thing they could start doing today to optimize their health potential. Could you share that with us? Yeah. You know, one thing, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I really think that everything comes down to perspective, right? You know, it's like what you're trying to do whenever you are trying to improve your life or develop yourself or get over a certain boundary or a certain barrier in your life or just grow as an individual or just pursue happiness, which the right pursuit would probably be more something that resembles meaning and, uh, you know, and, and fulfillment than just a certain feeling trying to get the most out of your life. I mean, it, it all comes down to purpose. It's like you can't dissolve or transcend any boundary without first being able to envision doing so. Engaging with like-minded people that have perspectives that bear fruit and that actually cultivate and create successful outcomes of growth and contribution to culture, to society, to your family, to whoever. Collaborating and surrounding yourself with those people is probably the best thing you could do because you end up being kind of the sum of like the top 10 people that you immerse yourself in. You know, what you accumulate in life will never make you happy, right? I think, you know, most people that have been down any of these roads, you know, and chased them down kind of realize that who you become and what you contribute will make you happy or they will make you fulfilled. And so surrounding yourself with those people and doing everything you can to cultivate a perspective that's in line with personal growth, personal responsibility, pulling out your weeds, taking out your own internal trash, addressing your issues, overcoming them and growing. So then you actually have something to give. Growing will make you happy and fulfilled. Giving will make you 10 times as happy and fulfilled, right? And so I think that that's really, really probably the best piece of advice is just to pursue meaning instead of happiness, right? To ask yourself what you want out of life instead of how can I feel good right now or what's comfortable right now? Because oftentimes what's comfortable is what's going to inhibit you from growing. And so that's really relevant to this conversation. Obviously, we're talking about kava. Kava is a tool to help you do that. But you know, doing the work is extremely important. Anything that you can do to your life to start working on yourself and dissolving those boundaries that keep you from being you know, at your highest potential is it's worth yeah. doing. Life's worth living that way. So that is beautiful advice. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. I know I am excited to keep exploring Kava. I think it's such a fascinating topic. Um, But thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. And thank you to everyone at home that listened. We hope you learned a lot and we will definitely put all the links in the show notes so you can keep learning more. Thanks, Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems so like your true Kava across the board, truekava.com is your Instagram also yeah, true Kava. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's T-R-U, not T-R-U-E, T-R-U Kava.com. All this stuff is there. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and that stuff. So excellent. All, All right, right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then. Happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.